You are now listening to Ride With Me, the Fraternity Podcast. Welcome to Ride With Me, episode 68. Today is September 11th, 2021. Damn, September 11. Another freaking year gone by. Today's guest is my buddy, Chris. How's it going? My buddy Chris here. You know what? Let me, let me specify. My buddy Chris Ocampo, because I have a lot of you fuckers as friends. I just I realized that last episode I'm recording, I have a brother Chris, I have this Chris, I have that Chris, I have you Chris. Yes, Chris Ocampo, I've known this. I'm going to call you kid, bro, because to me, you're still a kid. You haven't hit 30 <laughs> yet. You're still a kid. I've known this kid since before he was even born. Uh, his mom is a friend of the family. I consider her a second mom to me slash older sister. Uh, she's been with me when I was going through hell. And it's sad to say when my mom gave her an ultimatum, well, you pick Andy's friendship or mine, his mom chose mine. And I will always love her for that, you know, because she always saw, she always saw, she she saw, she witnessed how I was brought up. And uh, I'll always love your mom for that, bro. You know, and you're like a little brother, man. You, we've known you, like I said, we, I, I know, I've known your mom since before you were born. And uh, it's wonderful to see how great of a, of a young man you've become. And don't get soft on me, all right? Don't start crying, mister. You can kick my <laughs> ass with one pinky. So don't get soft on me, all right? It's just, you have, you, you, you. You know, growing up, you've always been kind to myself. You've always been kind to my siblings. You've always been kind to to my my kids. You know, my kids, uh, we would go visit you and uh, visit your mom and, your, and yourself. And, and you would just take my kids to the park, and uh, which was down the street in Santa Paula. But uh, I've always, I've always, um, I've always admired you, man. You've always had a good head on your shoulder, buddy, regardless of living in the ghetto and, you know, we all we all know what what it's like living in the ghetto, and you, my friend, have just I have nothing but wonderful things to say about you, man. You you, I was on live on TikTok the other day, and I I don't know why you came up, or I don't know why the military came up, and I pulled your military photo, and I was showing the people that were watching, and I'm like, this guy right here, this guy can do no wrong, and uh, people give you props. They're like, hey, thank you for his Tom, thank you for your service, and. Uh, so from my friends on TikTok, they said, thank you for your service, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> everyone that uh, talked to you back home that is older than I am always says, you know, that they still think of me as a young man, as a kid. And it's funny because when I've got, you know, brand new soldiers coming in, um, one of them actually uh, – for a long time, kept referring to me as dad, oh. uh, <laughs> which was really funny and and, uh, and kind of weird in a sense. Um, but you know, I kind of get um, the the mentality of it, right? So these uh, kids that come in, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds, um, most have never been really given much structure, and when they get into the unit. Uh, especially in my unit, that's the first thing that, that we establish is that structure with them, uh, kind of making sure that they uh, understand, you know, what right and wrong is, understand uh, how to be successful when it comes to 
to our unit and and what they do you know what buddy i i've 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 tripped out that you picked to go to the army because you've always been a quiet kid always always you've always been quiet you've you've you spoke your mind, you know, you, you, you always told us whatever it is you need to tell us, whatever was on your mind or whatever the case would be, but you've always been quiet. So for you to see you now in an arm in the army and, and you pretty much telling other people what to do, dude, even your arm is tripping me out right now. This freaking tattoo. What the hell is this? Look at that. Is that a whole sleeve? Look at yeah. this guy. <laughs> Yeah, man, you've always been like you've always seemed to uh, like to us. You always seemed like the shy, quiet kid. And when you came, I, I I love you for for taking your time out when we went to visit my grandma and for you to come in and visiting for a bit. And that story you told us about that uh, individual that wasn't listening for you to tell us that you raised your voice. I call it BS, but look at you. Like I said, man, you. Uh, I would have never assumed you to pick this profession, but you know, hey, what do they say? The quiet ones are the scary ones, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, back to the childhood. I mean, we, like ch- our childhood. We, your mom always took us camping. We always went, and uh, I think that was a, a yearly thing, right? We made that a yearly thing. Yeah. And we would pick either Lake Acidas or Steckel Park, and you know, I. I it sucked because once you guys grew up and you took off and, and your brother Mikey took off, your mom's like, well, this is our last camping trip. And she gave me a lot of her stuff that's still sitting there that came in handy the last time I went camping. We went camping in, in uh, 19 and uh, we went during the week. We've never gone during the week, right? And we mm-hmm. ended up going during the week and the park was empty. We were the only ones. We were at Lake Casitas, you know, the the the... the the spots that are next to the showers in the bathrooms. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's only one big, sh- there's only one set of showers in that place. And mm-hmm. we, we camped, we took our spot. We made our, we picked that spot by the restrooms. Dude, we were the only ones there. My buddy Roger was so freaked out. He slept in his car. <laughs> <laughs> my kid, it was his first time camping. So my kids were like, they were kind of mad. They're like, dad, we built him this tent for him to sleep in his car. What the fuck? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man your mom you will always have good memories of, of of you guys when we went when we would go camping and um that was like i said it was a it was a tradition every year and um uh, we have to take time one day and and, and hopefully all this covid bullshit and bullshit ends soon so we can go uh do that again man yeah yeah definitely so you decided to uh, first of all dude we went to your graduation and man, they called your name what, 20, 30 times, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. They called you for almost every award that they can make at a high school. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny about that. Um, I was actually talking to one of my friends yesterday that's in the unit. Um, you know, we were talking about a bunch of different stuff. Um, but one of the things that um, I was talking about, because they they had told me they're like you have this really great memory, like you you hear something once or you do something once, you know it's locked in your brain. And I was like, well, I just wish that worked when I was in school, um, <clears throat> because 
the high school that I graduated from wasn't the high school that I started at. It was actually a uh, continuation school for kids that got kicked out or failed out of traditional high school. Um, so it was kind of one of those places where they got the trailer park classrooms and they give you a packet to work on throughout the week. You really just finish it in a day, turn it in, get your next packet. Um, <clears throat> it actually wasn't until about a week before graduation, uh, my principal had uh, come to me and asked me, she's like, so why did you come over to this high school? Uh, and she said, like, well, let me re-clarify my question because I don't know why you're here. It's because you failed out of traditional high school. But <clears throat> what I don't understand is um, how we got to this point. And so kind of asked her, I'm not really sure what you mean. And she said, well, throughout your uh, records, it shows that you are identified as what was called a, a gateway student. Um, it was then when when it kind of clicked um, throughout my school. It wasn't that I struggled in school. It's that I hated doing it. I, I felt that it was repetitive. Um, and one of the kind of things that pointed that out was when I was in, uh, I think I was in middle school. I was enrolled in two different math classes. The first one was the traditional math class that I learned how to take. The other one was the advanced math class. And in the traditional class, I think I was getting like a D or an F. And in the advanced math class, I got an A plus with turning in all assignments, um, getting 100% on all the exams. And that was only because in that class, I felt that it was challenging enough where it wasn't repetitive, I actually had to work to do something. So you like the challenge? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Jojo. Uh, Jojo's in gate too, and he uh, he kind of he kind of hates it sometimes because it's like I don't want to be this smart. I, I went to a different school to you know I, I'm now in a different class. Instead of having fun, I'm doing more work, and uh, but it pays off, man. It's like because of you know 2020. And him being homeschooled, his his grade actually started dropping. And his teacher, because it's the same teacher she had him, she had him in fifth grade. She told us she's like, I'm not going to penalize him because I know that he has a gift. I know that he's super smart, and distance learning is not cutting out for him. So I can't really, you know, kind of punish him for that. I'm like, well then. Don't give him a fucking C, man. Give him a, if you know what he's <laughs> capable of doing, don't give him a 76, man. So yeah. we got on him, and he ended up uh, raising that grade again. So I'm like, dude, you're going to lose your electronics if you don't raise that grade again. And right now he has, uh, for being his first couple weeks of junior high, he's got uh, a couple A's and, and one B. And only the it's only a B because he failed uh, a history test. So I'm hoping that... I'm hoping that he doesn't have what I had and dates and numbers and stuff don't stick. I'm hoping he uh, he can uh, catch on quick. And uh, I think he said he got like 13 out of something. I'm like, dude, that's 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 a that's a D. So I mean, hopefully he'll he'll. I mean, first first couple weeks of junior high, I'm I'm sure he'll master it. I'm sure yeah. he'll master it. But again, you you. Um, got up there multiple times man multiple awards and then uh right after that you you took off to the army right the army right yes so what made you pick the army um 
Well, as far as the army goes, it, it's kind of a funny story. Um, it actually wasn't even a, uh, a thought of ever doing that. Um, the way that kind of went is uh, three of my buddies, we had gone to take what's called the ASVAB, which is basically a test that you take to see whether or not you're even at the bare minimum qualified educationally to go into the military. So <clears throat> the the funny part is it was announced, uh, you know, to all of the juniors and seniors of the high school that, hey, there's going to be this four-hour block. You get to take this test. And what we understood is you take the four-hour test and then you go home. So that was the only reason why we took it was like, hey, we can ditch class, go to this <laughs> go to this thing, bullshit it for four hours and then go home. <laughs> and <laughs> at the end of it, they're like, all right, go back to your class. And we're like, what the fuck? We thought we were going to go home. <laughs> and, um, and from there, you know, the, the kind of silver lining in that was um, after everyone completed the test and one of the recruiters talking to us about, you know, college education and, what the military can pay for. And at that time I knew college was something that I was interested in, but didn't know one, how to pay for it. And two, whether or not I was qualified based on my previous grades. Um, <clears throat> so looking at that, um, you know, they kind of were able to convince me enough to go back to the uh, recruiting station to talk about uh, specifically college and, and what can be offered. Um, and so it was about a week after that is when I, I had made an appointment to go and see the recruiter. Um, and I went over there. I think I went, I think I got on the, I either got on a bus or I had someone drive me there. I don't remember, but um, went over there, uh, spent about an hour and a half with the recruiter talking to them um, with the sole uh, purpose of the conversation be about education and how I'd be able to afford that if I went uh, into the military. And the army was just the only branch that was there during the class. Um, so that's the a majority of where I got my information from. Uh, and then looking at other branches, um, the army is the only one that offered me and everyone an opportunity to actually choose your job. If it was open and you qualified for it, you were able to reserve your position so long as you met all the previous requirements. So that's kind of the main reason why I went for the Army. All because you try to dish class. Yep. That's all I got out of your conversation. No, I'm playing. No, I mean, hey, but again, look at you, man. You can freaking snap my neck with the pinky. You know, I'm glad that I'm on, on your side, you know, because... I'm, it, it, I'm telling you, man. This little, this little boy is, you know, all grown up and can probably kick half LAPD's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I only said that because I have an LAPD family member. <laughs> <laughs> but how was, um, how was the? Uh, did you regret after it when, when you were in training or boot camp? Is it boot camp? Yeah. So um, we call it a just basic training uh, for the army, but. There was, um, I think it, we kind of joke about it now, everyone that has been in the military for a while, is that there's always that um, that point in basic training 
where you kind of look around and you're like, oh, I fucked up. (laughs) You know, know, but for some, you know, it lasts for a while. For me, it was kind of like it came and it went. Um, I still say to this day, basic training was the most fun that I've ever had because I was challenged in so many ways, physically, mentally. Um, and once you get over the fact that, you know, you've got all these people screaming at you and telling you to do these ridiculous things, tasks that you know you're never going to accomplish in the time that they give you, once you kind of realize that that's the intent, you kind of start having fun with it because you realize that the whole intent is to work together. Uh, it doesn't matter you know, the timeline that you have, the equipment that you have, the intent is to have everyone come together as a team. Uh, and which is what I try to do with, with my guys, um, in in my unit, I'll give them certain tasks. Usually we'll give them enough time to complete it, but it's very stretched. Um, just so that way they get to learn each other and learn how each other think. Um, but basic training specifically, that's what it's designed to do is to get everyone to work as a team. Oh, okay. I can think of that one time where in, in, in Captain America where they told him, hey, whoever can bring the flag down gets a ride back, mm-hmm. and he takes mm-hmm. the pin off, and then boom. Is that yeah. what you're talking about, one of those tasks? <laughs> yeah, things like that, yeah. One time um, when we were in basic, uh, they had to set up this communication tent. And um, what they did to mess with us is they held on to all the bolts that were required to hold everything together. So for a good 30 minutes, we're sitting out there, um, you know, trying to put this thing up. And then we realize, hey, there's all these little sockets that need to be put in place to hold this thing together. Um, And so we were told we'll figure it out. So we went around and we eventually found sticks that are that were thick enough to fit in there and of course it didn't end up holding up but the fact that we're able to think uh collectively outside the box to accomplish the mission was the whole goal of the exercise gotcha again you um you came to visit us when we were visiting my grandma in the apostle you were just 20 minutes away you clocked out from work and then you came you came to see us and um what what sticks of that conversation was when you asked me how my podcast was going. And, uh, before I can answer, my wife said that it, it, she's noticed a difference in my attitude ever since. And, uh, you responded with the fact that if, if I hold things in and hold it in and hold it in and hold it in, I will explode eventually. And that's who I was in the past. And, it's it's a trip because the other day, uh, it's, I it's the the way the my wife said okay and and it, it's the way I took it as she's only saying it in the way of shutting me up, you know, like okay, you know, and um, yeah. and uh, I I kind of snapped, but I you know I kind of like I didn't rip her a new one, but I kind of like said my piece in an angry way. And then, like, maybe an hour later, I don't know what she asked me. And I'm like, I mean, I don't want to lose. I don't want to bring the Hulk back, you know. So she said, if that was the Hulk, if 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 what I just saw an hour ago was the Hulk, 
then that means you're doing a lot better because that was nothing. That was if that was your version of a ten, then it's a lot better than uh, at, than what you used to what you used to be. So, and the, and the reason why you, you you said that was because you're a, a military is it military or army therapist? Yeah. So my uh, <clears throat> I hold a bunch of different titles depending on the job that I do. But basically, for the Army, I'm a, um, what's called a behavioral health specialist. Um, what we do is basically we work side-by-side uh, side with uh, counselors, with psychologists, psychiatrists, and um, we have a bunch of different jobs that we do. But mainly, our job is to sit down with individuals, whether they're military, active duty, dependents, veterans, um, we sit down with them and, and we uh, have conversations with them and determine what it is that that we can do within our services to help them, um, whether that be with depression, anxiety, PTSD, suicidal thoughts. Um, we have different programs that are out there to help them. Right. What made you what made you become a, a therapist? <clears throat> Um, for the army specifically, it actually wasn't my first choice. Um, my first choice was actually, uh, going into intelligence and then halfway through the recruitment process, when I went to, um, LA and I went to maps, which was the military entrance processing station, you're then met with additional, um, individuals that are able to look up jobs that are available. And during that conversation, um, they asked me, they're like, what are your, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Um, and I told them my, my college plan was to go to college and study, uh, cognitive psychology, the way people think. Uh, and so they said, well, there's this new, there's this job that just opened up. We've got 12 positions for the entire, um, for the entire side of you know southern california for everyone that comes through there's only 12 positions open this fiscal year um and it's in behavioral health um i forgot what they called it at that time but it was it was something a little bit different and um i asked them what it what are what is it that we're doing let me kind of explain you know you're going to do counseling you're going to do therapies uh you're going to work in a, a variety of um different spaces so <clears throat> I figured since it was already kind of something that I was interested in and I was going to go to school for that it was a natural um, it was a natural uh, position to move into and explore more and get a better better understanding if if that's really the career path that I want to go for. So after that conversation, we had switched career plans, and um, I started going in processing and started working towards attaining that career field. How has it been for you so far? Like, I mean, you having a conversation with me about my podcast made me like feel comfortable. And like, shit, I want to hire this guy as my therapist. You know. <laughs> I don't know. This is yeah. this is where you share whatever it is that you want to share, buddy. I I, I don't want to ask a question that is going to get you court-martialed or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the mic is all yours, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, 
when after I graduated school and um, I became formally recognized as a uh, mental health provider, um, I went into inpatient behavioral health, which is what you see outside of the military. This is like your psych wards. Um, But for the military specifically, I have gone to civilian psych facilities and I have seen, you know, what people see in movies, right? People running down the halls naked, people hitting their head on walls and stuff like that. That's kind of the extreme side of psych. Uh, but in the military specifically, we don't see a whole lot of that. We see a lot of depression, anxiety, PTSD. And that's where I work in. I work inpatient. And a lot of the service members that come to me are anywhere between 18 and maybe 24. And a lot of them are dealing with depression and anxiety. Um, so when I first came into this career field, I was working as a, a technician on the unit, providing individual counseling, therapies, initial intake assessment, group therapy conversations. Um, as my time went on, being in the military, um, man, next month will be five years. Um being in so long with my career, the more you advance, the more administrative your job becomes. Um, so right now, what I'm doing is uh, <clears throat> I'm the uh, assistant, it's called non-commissioned officer um, as far as the rank structure goes, but um, I'm in charge of the administrative part of the unit, making sure that the unit runs properly making sure that we've got enough staffing, making sure that we've got everything else we need, uh, in addition to a bunch of other things that are outside of uh, behavioral health that, I, that I'm that i in charge of. Um, but right now, that's my position. Um, I will be leaving this, this position in the next 30 days. Um, I'll be taking some time off, and then I'll be uh, stationed in Korea, where I'll be... Um, the non-commissioned officer in charge of an outpatient clinic, which is um, similar. Like if you were going to see your counselor, your therapist, you're going to their office. That's kind of the same setup that we have in the military. Oh, okay. And then, so when are mm-hmm. you when are you landing in Korea? So I'll be in Korea um, early to mid November. And how, um, how long so are you gonna be out there for? So. Um, my contract states that I'll be out there for a year, uh, but the way that the military works with um, contract times, by the time that year ends, I'll only have about 15 months left in my reenlistment contract. Uh, I reenlisted uh, last year back in March for an additional four years. So by the time that that year ends in Korea, I'll only have about just over a year left. Um, and I imagine with that little amount of time left, they're going to tell me to stay for another year. So I'll probably be out there for two years and then um, I'll be taking uh, leave from the military for about four or five months and then finally be uh, out the door. So you only have a few more years of this? Yeah. And then when are you going to open a, a, a an office here on La Puente? I get that family discount, right? Yeah. <laughs> no? Okay. Whatever, dude. Just remember, bro, 
I saw you in diapers, all right? I can give stories of you in diapers, all right? Well, I don't know if I open my practice, the uh, tables might turn. You might be the one being in diapers. Damn! <laughs> what did I say about this guy being shy and quiet? All of a sudden. All of a sudden. So, uh, today being the last day of Suicide Awareness Week, it's been. it was from, what, the 5th through the 11th, you said? Yes. And uh, since I decided to do a solo podcast, I took I bumped you off. My bad, buddy. Um, I mean, just, just you know, give your as much advice that you can give on people for to people about what to do when it comes to you know, the, like depression. And I mean, I know that I, I know that I, I, you know, I try to kill myself, but I don't think mine was as bad. I just was going through some shit obviously I, I don't feel like that anymore you know i do you know i do get bummed out like i was bummed out over a couple a couple weekends ago over a, a podcast episode that was recorded and i know that i do have triggers it, and you if you can touch on triggers um those I, I believe that the moment people can find out what their triggers are they can understand a lot of um a lot of shit from their past or, or whatever it is that, you know like for example i didn't know that you know me running late was uh, was a was a trigger you know and it, it went back to my childhood and then i didn't know that you know me eating really fast is like it's a trigger and uh there's a lot of like they told my wife a long time ago was like dude you need to have patience with this man because he has a lot of triggers and running late is one of them freaking not wanting to go outside on a weekend is one another one, you know. Wanting to stay home is another one. It's just just multiple, multiple, multiple triggers, man. So, again, the mic is all yours, man. Whatever advice you want to give, on like I said, it mainly triggers, and then go on from there, buddy. This, like I said, the mic is yours again. Yeah, um, <clears throat> with you know, with uh, I have a tendency when I'm given the stage to go back and forth between different topics. So if, if I go off topic, just bring me back. Um, <laughs> it's all right, man. We got, I keep my podcast at an hour. You still have 30 minutes, bro. <laughs> all right. yeah. um, so one of, one of the first things um, that I want, that I want to bring up was, you know, we had that conversation um, when you're over here in El Paso and I gave you the, the balloon analogy. And right, this is the, the analogy that I give to a lot of my patients. And what that means is if you've got a balloon in your hand, right, and you're blowing it, the idea of it is that air that's going in are words that come in to you, right? So these are either words that you're giving yourself or things that people are telling you. And the more that you take it, the bigger that balloon gets. So the possible outcomes is one, you reach your capacity and that balloon blows up and that's where people are used to what's called you know the explosion where you blow up on everyone around you right Um, the other way that that's viewed is uh that's the explosion but the implosion so on yourself and that's where uh depression can kind of come into play in suicidal thoughts is all of this stuff that you're holding in now implodes onto yourself. Um, the other thing that comes out is that air has got to go somewhere, right? So if you let that balloon go and it goes flies across the room, 
um, the way that that looks like is you can have controlled venting, you know, when you're talking to someone and you're able to clearly communicate those things that you've been holding in, or, um, you'll see it sometimes where, um, you have coworkers or someone that comes up to you that you're not really that close to. And then all of a sudden you just start rambling on and on and on. And at the end of the conversation, a lot of people have regret like, damn, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have told this person that I shouldn't have done this. Right. Because they vented out those issues, but it wasn't controlled. Um, and it can be just as damage damaging as exploding or imploding on yourself. Um, but with um, Suicide Prevention Week, you know, today being the last day of that week. But for me, I mean, it's every day, right? You have people that have depression, suicidal thoughts every day, sometimes every hour, every minute, um, and they feel like they don't have hope. Um, with that, another kind of analogy that, that I teach people is I don't know how familiar you are with Greek mythology. Are you familiar with um, Pandora's box? Uh, you are talking to the wrong dude, man. You want me to bring the boys? Because <laughs> they know all about that. I don't know, squat. They're, they're getting me to read that Percy Jackson book, and I said that months ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm still on chapter seven, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh, the boys did an episode, episode 50. It was, uh, it was you know, the boys teach me Percy Jackson. Yeah, I'm still in chapter seven, dude. <laughs> but if you want me to go bring them, you know. <laughs> no. But I I have heard that term, yes. Yeah. So Pandora's box. Um, Pandora was sent down. Recalling Greek mythology, Pandora was sent down to Earth um, to be with uh, Zeus's creation, which was humans. And she was brought down with this box. And Zeus gave her very clear instructions under no circumstances are you to ever open this box? And of course, curiosity got the better of her. So she decided to open the box. And what came out of this box was just every bad thing that you can think of. Um, diseases, famine, plague, war, all of this bad stuff came out. Uh, and so before she had the opportunity to close that box, one final thing came out. And that one final thing was hope. So out of all of this negative stuff that came out the one good thing that came out of that box was hope and that's where i use it as a talking point is that you can have a bunch of uh negative things happen to you right you've got depression suicidal thoughts maybe you've had friends or family members that have committed suicide but the one thing that you tangibly can always think of and have is hope and as long as you have hope then you have that chance um so it's funny you said that because when i first started this podcast that was the the purpose was you know if you feel that your your life is shit walk in my shoes and mm-hmm. and i always said you know it was to give people hope that you know there is good and you don't have it that bad but then i started like yeah this isn't a star wars movie but <laughs> but now that you now that you said that it makes me it makes me comfortable saying it again this podcast mm-hmm. is to give people hope and you know it's funny that, uh, again that you said that earlier about you know letting stuff out i can say i can say hi to somebody 
and just by ha- saying hi to them, they'll start venting. You know, I've had I've had friends, well, you know, they're friends, but I've had you know I consider them friends because I see them on a week on a weekly basis now. You know, I I do this for I do I sell beer for a living. I see the same people over and over again on a weekly basis, and I can say, hey, good morning, how you doing? And waterworks. They'll start venting to me. They'll start like I feel I feel bad, but and I I recently I had to give one of one of them guys a, a hug because he, he you know he started he started tearing up and I'm like dude I'm sorry, and uh, with the podcast with with my brother being able to open up a couple weekends ago, you know people are telling me now it's like okay dude now you're using your podcast for good like people because when they asked my brother after he opened up about an event that happened to him. My wife asked him, like, how did it feel to let that out? And he said it felt great because he's been holding this in for 17 years. And then he finally says it and he he said it felt great. So that balloon analogy that you said, did I say that word right? Analogy was it's a, perf- it's a perfect example of, 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 of what we're, at one point I went through or I'm going through still because I, I still to this day, you know, I hold stuff in because I can't talk to the person that I'm supposed to be talking about. If they're, if they're doing something that's pissing me off, I, I feel like I don't have that opportunity to talk to them about what they're doing to, to piss me off so that mm-hmm. I, I vent. And that's why last week, instead of recording an episode with you, I ended up recording one by myself and just letting stuff out. And actually it was, it was two takes because the first one was I said some, some stuff. And then, like you said, why did I say that? So I went back and and completely same story, but completely just changed the wording like there's no tomorrow. Instead of saying this, I said that, and I went with that. And for the people that know what I mean, they got it. They understand what I'm trying to say. With the people that know me, will know who I'm talking about because of that. But you're right. I I did. I I said that. I'm like, why the fuck did I say that? And I recorded another episode. I, I deleted that one and I re-recorded it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of factors that come in with that. Um, one thing that that you that um, we we're talking about, you know, about regret and things that you say. Um, this is something that I teach um, my soldiers. Uh, when they first come in, I tell them, like, I'm not, I'm not a very strict person. Uh, I'm very easy, laid back, but I do have certain rules. And one of those rules is say what you mean and mean what you say. What that comes in is if you're angry, or you're upset of something, and you come to me with it, whatever comes out of your mouth, make sure that you mean it. Right. And with mean what you say is don't come back to me 10, 20 minutes later the next day and say, oh, I didn't mean it that way, or I didn't mean this. No, you meant it. You meant it when you said it, right? So understanding that that um, there's always those consequences to actions, and consequences don't always have to be negative, but being comfortable with what those consequences are. Um, with... Uh, suicide specifically um since it is suicide prevention week or suicide awareness week um anyone that has ever had thoughts of suicide the um, 
one of the things that I like to tell them is you have to realize that with suicide, you may feel down, you may feel at the lowest point of your life. However, everyone that has had depression, suicidal thoughts, and they're still here today, have a 100% success rate. Right? Uh, they have found something to hold on to, and that's that hope that has come out of the box. My kids? I, I always say, I, Chris, I always say my kids saved my life. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that like that day that I was about to jump in front of this train, fuck, I was <laughs> sorry, um, I something tugged me back, dude. Something tugged me yeah. back, and and it was it was that was the day that I I I snapped out of it and and, and just it's a trip because I told my buddy uh, my officer Ricky friend here that whenever I set something, I accomplish it, and and. And that's and that's always been just my goal in life is ever since that day it's like okay eliminate this negativity out of your life and 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 sadly in this case it was the mother of my kids and my own mother you saw that mm-hmm. you know what it was like for me yeah. the moment I eliminated that circle then little by little I started getting my life back I you know I lost my apartment I lost my car I lost my driver's license. I lost everything. I was, dude, how many times did I sleep in you guys' living room a couple of times? You know, but sadly, you guys were too far for me to stay with you guys, so I had to go back to Oxnard. That's where my kids were. If it wasn't for my buddy Luis, I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have somewhere to live. You know, again, I said I, I, he put a freaking bed in his kitchen floor for me to have somewhere to sleep. And, um, yeah, the hope that you talk about here in my case are, are my kids. And, yeah, I've, I've said it multiple times. My kids saved my life. And, and even when I... Even when I lectured Jojo a couple of weekends ago, I'm like, kid, you have any idea how much you are my pride and joy? Like, you guys saved my life, and and, and you guys need to. You can they bicker at each other, they fight at each other, and it's like it gets kind of annoying. So when I hate, I hate to, you know, lecture them and spank them, and it, and it hurts me because they are my hope. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, with. You know, depression uh, specific, because really, that's kind of the root of of all of this. Um, it can be seen in a bunch of different ways, right? It can be interpreted in different ways. You know, um, especially now with younger generations, they're more uh, aware of depression and suicide. You know, versus previous generations, that was kind of something that was taboo right um you you think about uh our grandparents right that was something that people don't didn't talk about at the time because it was very taboo it meant something was wrong with you um versus now we realize that it's not always something's wrong with you sometimes it's a chemical imbalance in the brain um but many times it's it has to deal with unresolved issues right um depression when you look at it uh in teens specifically because right now teens are more susceptible and more uh impressionable um so they are more susceptible to depression and anxiety which ultimately can lead to suicidal thoughts the way that it's that 
it's seen in teens is if your teenager out of nowhere, you know, is now very irritable, you know, they don't want to talk to anyone. They don't want to do anything. We tend to play it off like, Oh, they're just teens. They're going through their phase of, I hate mom. I hate dad. Um, Nobody knows me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. And what is it? What is it? (laughs) Nobody understands me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to an extent, it's it's a, a teen's way of finding themselves and, and getting a, a better understanding of of their perception of what life is. You know, but there's there's other times where um, it can be some telltale signs of that very clear depression. Uh, if they're choosing to stay in the room all day um, and they're not doing anything constructive, right, they're not studying, they're not playing video games and that can be an arguable uh, statement of whether or not that's productive, but they're doing things that are kind of out of character for them. Right. And parents, you know, your your children better than anyone. So, you know, when, when they're doing something that's off based on typical behavior. Um, <clears throat> so those are some things that you can look for in kids in adults. Um, if, if you find that you're someone that likes to work really hard, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with succeeding and there's nothing wrong with, you know, getting everything done. Um, just like I tell when I have, um, leaders that come in, um, right, like right now I'm leaving the next 30 days of my position. So I'm training someone else on how to manage certain things and how to take over for me. One of the things that I teach leaders is look at your high performers, look at your individuals that are at the top of the list every time, uh, because more often than not, they're the ones that are going to need the most help mentally. If you find that someone is um, taking on way, way more tasks than they should, or if they're underachieving based on previous um, standards that they that they had set for themselves those are some pretty telltale signs that something's not right um, just like with my guys I know who my top performers are and I I know that I give them enough to keep them busy but if they start asking for more and more and more and more then I know that there's there's something underlying there there's something that that I need to look into rather than looking at it like, great, they can do all this work for me. Let me give them everything. Um, understand that sometimes that can be their cry for help without even knowing it. By overworking? Yeah. That's crazy. I never saw it like that. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's why uh, with all leaders, you know, I tell them, look at your, look at your high performers. Look at your top performers. And try to get an understanding of where their balance is with work. Um, Because I tell people, you've got your work life and you've got your uh, personal life. You have professional and personal life. Those two should never mix. Um, I have my own rule where it doesn't matter if I got everything done or not. Nothing's coming home with me. Everything's staying in the office. And vice versa, no matter what's going on at home, nothing comes to the office. Um, can you uh, those, can yeah. you can you give me a tip on how to do that? Because I'll come home stressed as fuck from work. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Real quick. The, the, so the other day I came home, right? And uh, and you know, you know, I don't drink. You know, I don't smoke. I don't. I used to go to the beach a lot. Obviously, I'm I'm not down the street from the beach anymore. Lately, I've been riding my bike, but when it's 90 degree weather, I don't give a shit what Paul says. I am not riding my bike in 90 degree weather. So I started playing Call of Duty, right? And then uh, Letty and my wife, she's like, after an, an hour of playing, she's like, are you cool? I'm like, no. No. She goes, what do you mean, no? You played for like an hour. I'm like, Did you, you didn't get the frustrations off? No. Because I didn't hear that one kid saying, oh, man, fuck you, dude. You know? <laughs> so when I hear that five-year-old saying, oh, man, fuck you, dude, then I'm satisfied. Then I know. Explain to me why it's, it makes me happy to hear a five-year-old <laughs> complain that I killed him in the game. <laughs> so so bullying little kids makes you happy? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's a video game, dude. It's a video game. It's not in real life. <laughs> um, yeah, so when it, you know, when it comes to that work-life balance, it, it's all based on your own interpretation, right? So one of one of the ways that you can do that is first don't bring any physical thing home from work all right for some people that that do have that you've got a cell phone you've got an ipad you got this technology that you have to have with you a way that you can um separate yourself is have like a a staging station right so once that laptop that phone that ipad goes in that area it stays in that area until I leave for work the next day or okay. the next week, whenever you return to work. What that does mentally is it tells your brain, I'm shutting this down. I'm leaving this here. I'm not touching it until I mentally have to go back to work. Um, and by doing that, it subconsciously, again, shifts you into going into personal life. That's when you're with your family, your kids, or if you live alone, doing whatever other activities that you do, whether play video games, watch TV, go exercise, you know, whatever your normal routine is outside of work. So <clears throat> that's a way that you can kind of disconnect from work if you have to carry those things as you have a staging station. Um, just like for me, I've got my, my personal phone. Everyone has my phone number. So I'll get calls at midnight, two, three, four in the morning about work. So <clears throat> for what I do is when I come home, everything goes in a certain area. My keys, my, um, my um, keys <clears throat> to my car, my office, everything phone goes into one area and it stays there for a certain amount of time. Uh, my phone, once I've kind of relaxed, disconnected from work, then I'll pick up my phone and I'll start doing things, go on Facebook, whatever the case is. Um, but mentally, I know that I don't have to go back to work until I get up at three in the morning the next day. So what you're saying is find a way to charge your phone and your iPad in the car and leave it in the car. Yeah. <laughs> or come plug it in the garage. You it up in the, yeah, you can hook it up in the garage or just very simply have it in, in, in another room. And, you know, some people's excuse of, oh, my phone is my alarm clock. Buy a damn alarm clock. It's like $6. <laughs> Yeah. You, know, you don't need your phone. But what if your phone is your alarm clock? <laughs> <laughs> I use my phone as an alarm clock because it vibrates 
and it's not the alarm clock because the alarm clock will wake the wife up. And if I wake up the wife, it's not going to be a good day. So I might as well just stay at work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Your advice is not helping me, dude. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. But you know what? The, the, the entire time you were talking about your phone and, and stuff, like that, I was like thinking, okay, going forward, I'm plugging the iPhone and the iPad in the garage. So mm-hmm. I'm going to write that down. Garage. Yeah. Leave gar- leave work in garage. And then, uh, you know, that that's all, you know, the work-life balance and everything. But going back into signs of depression for an adult, you have hopelessness, right? We just had a conversation about hope and, and what that means. But hopelessness is, is the feeling that nothing is ever going to go right. Um, and that's one of those things where it's up for interpretation, right? I can tell you a hundred reasons why things are going to go right, but it's up to you whether or not you want to believe them. Um, and that's where that hopelessness comes in. Then you have, um, anhedonia, which is just a fancy word for less interest in doing previous activities. So if you like, you know, for your instance, if you like to go out bike going out on your bike um if for whatever reason someday you're like you know what i don't want to go out on my bike i'll go tomorrow i'll go tomorrow i'll go tomorrow i'll go tomorrow um those are some usually telltale signs that something's not right because you're having a break in what's your typical routine especially when it comes to your personal life um and a lot of people see that and they ignore it and it's usually seen as oh I'm just being lazy or they're being lazy. That's not the case, right? Um, Because laziness is another one of those terms that can be used for interpretation based on how people see things. But anhedonia specifically is loss of interest in things that you previously found pleasure for. Um, And that can be a variety of things. And for whatever reason you find yourself stop wanting to do those things and not finding uh, replacements for it that's a sign that um, either you could have depression or if you already know you've you've had previous experiences with depression it can be a reason that or it can be a sign that that depression is coming back um, depression is kind of one of those things that there's no real cure for it I mean, it can be treated uh, both with medications and with um, holistic um, things that you can do, but it, it's never 100% going to be cured. Uh, you're never going to really get rid of it 100%. It's, dude, you hit another one. It's funny you said that because ever since El Paso, when my grandma, you know, brought back these 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 memories or like the, she brought back these, uh, you know, connected stories to what I would dream, I haven't played playstation until the other day i haven't gone on my bike ride till the other day and i told my wife here i go i'm in this funk again maybe not depression because i didn't feel like killing myself but i was in a funk and i told her i'm in a funk again and up until i think up until you know a couple of days ago when i finally turned on the playstation i play, even my my brother chris chris has been staying with us now even he was like, "Dude, you don't you don't play PlayStation." I'm like, "Dude, it's not, it's not, 
it's not calling my attention. He goes, really? That's weird because when I first moved in here, you turned it on every day when you got home from work. Before, I would get home. The wife was out and about, and she would hey, you know, figure something else to do and around the house. But now that she's at work, I take advantage of it. I'm like, shit, she's at work. I'm going to go play. But since mm-hmm. El Paso and after having those conversations with my grandmother, you're right. I, I was didn't want I have didn't find interest in riding my bike. I didn't find interest in playing games. And mm-hmm. damn, dude, you know, you, you need to open an office here on La Puente, bro. I'm just saying I'll find some empty buildings for you. Um, one of the things that I, that I want to touch on that you just mentioned is uh, you said you were in a funk. Right now. It could still be uh, labeled as depression. Depression doesn't mean that you're always thinking about suicide. Depression doesn't always mean that you want to end your life. Depression is, uh, you know, if you break it down, depressed, right? You feel like there's weight on you. You feel like, um, just like like you said, I'm in a funk or I'm not in the right headspace. You know, all these things that people like to categorize as because they want to get away from the word depression depression it's not a negative thing it's something that happens and it's it's a term that's used to categorize a group of feelings thoughts ideas beliefs into one um, word that kind of makes it easier to identify with Um, and that's why again there's a bunch of different um checklists that people have with you know do you meet these to meet to be able to be categorized as depressed um but again that's one of those things where unless you're going to an actual mental health provider that that's going to diagnose you with depression it's something that's still up to your own interpretation if you're not ready to do that look at these um these signs you know are you falling under these categories because you could have some form of depression again doesn't mean that it's bad it's not always a negative term it's just a term to identify with a certain feeling uh, i gotta i gotta you know what i want to use excuses of having you on the podcast so i can get free therapy yeah yeah i just figured it out well, there you go there we go free yeah, therapy you can just call me up you just call me up and say, hey, I want to record this podcast and never hit record and we're just talking. <laughs> right? Bullshit. <laughs> I'm hitting record. <laughs> um, you know, with Antonio, there's, you know, decreased concentration and uh, indecision. So if you find that you're one of those people that's, that's really good, you know, left and right, you can make decisions on the spot. And then all of a sudden you're struggling to make a simple decision. You go to you know, McDonald's, I don't know what they have McDonald's, but you go between these two breakfast sandwiches and now you don't know what you want. Um, or at work, you know, you're indecisive about, do I want to take on this project? Do I not want to do this? Um, versus before it would be a very easy, yes, I want to do this. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, indecision can also be, uh, an indicator of that, uh, with that decreased concentration. And then, of course, changes in sleep, right? You have people that, uh, I know for me, if I go to sleep six hours later, I'm going to wake up. Um, and that's just the way that I'm conditioned. Um, but you have people that you know have eight, nine, ten hours, however many hours you need to get rest. And then all of a sudden, you're only sleeping three hours or you're sleeping 15 hours on the weekend. Um, 
those are some signs that your body's not fully at rest. And there's, there's a reason to that. It's not because you're physically tired. It's because you're mentally exhausted. Uh, and that's another sign of that depression. And you see that in teenagers too a lot. And with teenagers, again, it goes back to that, oh, they're just being lazy. They don't want to get out because they're being lazy. Um, that's not always the case. You know, sometimes they could be struggling with that depression and don't know how to identify with it. So with depression and going into thoughts of suicide, with thoughts of suicide, uh, people just want to end, in most cases, people want to end the situation. How do you do that? Drugs and alcohol, sleep, and ultimately, for some people, death, right? So the question that I pose to people that are thinking about suicide is, do you actually want to die, or would you rather not be in this situation? In most cases, people are going to say, I don't want to be in this situation. Okay, then how do we change that? What are some things we can do to help get ourselves out of this situation? In many cases, that can be stay away from certain triggers, right? If your family is a trigger for you, where you go into the home and everything's negative, everything's toxic, that's a trigger that you maybe you need to stay away from. Doesn't mean that you're never gonna be able to be around those people. What that means is you need a break to be able to uh, think about the situation, be able to come up with things for yourself that are gonna help you go into that situation without taking anything negative away from it. Um, and those are those are some of the things that you can do when it comes to triggers. Um, other signs of depression is change in appetite and unexpected weight gain, weight gain or weight loss. You know, if you're not <clears throat> if you're not uh, if you don't have any plans about gaining weight or losing weight, and then all of a sudden you step on the scale and you realize you just lost ten pounds, but you're not exercising, you're not dieting, you're not doing anything. You start to realize, well, over the last week, I've only had one meal a day, or I've only had one meal every couple of days. Uh, and that's where it kind of, where I bring it back to my overworkers. My overworkers, they tend to stop eating and they tend to forget to eat because they're so focused on, I need to get this done, I need to get this done, I need to get this done. Why? Because if I don't get it done, I'm not enough. You know, people are going to look at me and judge me if I don't get this done. So they put their own needs, you know, their own Maslow needs away um, just so they can accomplish this one thing so that way they can secure what they believe people think of them. It's it's funny, again, dude, it, the, you said uh, weight loss. When I was going through the, that phase where I almost ended up killing myself, my buddy, uh, buddy Roger, I didn't see him for like three weeks maybe, and he came down to see how I'm doing and he looks at me he's like dude it looks like you just got out of jail are, are you not eating anything and no I wasn't eating they didn't have an appetite I think the first thing he mm-hmm. did was take me to go eat something I'm like I, I'm not hungry dude but yeah, yeah. I remember those days okay. <clears throat> yeah and so with that um, there's this um kind of proverb that I've heard uh, from a monk where he said when it comes to self-image 
uh, if you're looking at that, the proverb goes, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am, right? It's about that self-image and looking for validation in other people, looking for them to validate how you feel, how you look, and that ultimately, in your mind, uh, breeds success. But success has to be bred within yourself and what you believe that to be. How many more items um, do you have? How many more items do you have on that list, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Every time there, you talk so, about something, you go and cross it off. <laughs> yeah, they're crossing off and adding on other things. <laughs> um, but those are kind of the the signs of depression. That's not all of them, but those are the common ones that we usually see. Episode number two, um, we'll talk about everything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, now. The question will get asked, okay, you know, I meet the this criteria. Uh, I am depressed. How do I manage it? So some of the things that you can do to manage depression, um, <clears throat> you'll hear it very commonly, exercise, physical exercise. What that does is uh, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. Right? I'm sure everyone has heard that phrase. And it really does help. You'll see that in a lot of um, mental health facilities, they have some type of exercise program because it does help phys physiologically. Um, it helps your brain work things out. Um, for people that are spiritual, spirituality and self-awareness, those are things that can help. Um, one thing that I tell everyone and I do it with my soldiers every morning I tell them give me something positive so come up with three things every day every morning before you do anything else before you get on your phone before you go on Facebook TikTok Instagram whatever other social media people have Pokemon before go. you do anything <laughs> what's that Pokemon go Pokemon go <laughs> yeah whatever um, <clears throat> before you go on to any of that stuff you come up with three positive things or three things that you're thankful of for that day. Uh, and what that does, it actually starts to change the narrative for yourself. If you find that you're depressed, you're down on yourself and you have all these negative thoughts, what a lot of times people don't realize is these negative thoughts don't always start with your own voice. When you're thinking about these things, you may hear your parents or your coworkers or random people that you came into say you're not good enough, you're not worth shit, you're this, you're that, um, and that starts to play in your head over and over and over again. And eventually, you'll start to hear it as yourself. You'll start to hear your own self telling you these things because that's what your brain, that's what that's what you're conditioning your brain to do. When you condition your brain to start thinking about the positives, it is now going to start focusing on what is good. What am I thankful for? What is going right? Or what can I do to make things start going right? Um, by doing this every day, you're starting to train your brain to look for the positive things. A brain is just like any other muscle. It will do what you train it to do. Um, so if you're training it to look for these 
positives in life, it's going to do that. Um, other things you can do to manage your uh, depression or your funk or whatever you want to call it, um, avoid uh, avoid alcohol, drugs, substances. All of these things just suppress the feelings. Um, alcohol was known as a depressant. The same thing with certain drugs. They depress uh, certain nervous systems that actually help with your with managing your depression. Um, which is why you'll see a lot of people who say, I'm not depressed, you know, I'm, I'm not sad, I'm not this, I'm not, I'm not that. They get a couple beers in them, a couple drinks in them, and now they're bawling their eyes out talking about everything that happened to them in their life, right? Because they haven't learned how to, one, face those issues and know that they are issues, but two, come up with the constructive ways of how to uh, talk about them and how to deal with them. Um, you know, <clears throat> other things is getting a handle on your own stress because these are things that will, um, that will make it more difficult to manage your depression. If you know what stresses you out and you know your triggers, then you know how to stay away from certain situations and you know how to deal with certain situations better. Otherwise they're just going to fester in your mind over and over and over again. Uh, and then always Free yourself from familiar traps. If you know that you're trying to stay away from alcohol, don't go into a store that has alcohol. Uh, if you know that your family is only going to talk negatively when you're around them, maybe don't go around your family. Um, find these things that are, are triggers for certain behaviors, certain habits, certain trains of thoughts, and stay away from those until you're mentally ready to go back into that situation. Um, there's, there's, you know, hundred of other things that you can do, but those are some things that, that you can start off with, um, without getting, um, too much into the cliche side of, uh, of psychology and, and where all these things root from, which of course is childhood. Um, I always recommend, uh, individuals. And uh, I'm going to recommend it to you, Andy. Um, go on Amazon and look up Outgrowing the Pain by Dr. Elena Jill. Uh, it's a book about adults. Uh, it's literally titled The Book for and about adults abuse as children. And it talks about what is classified as abuse. Uh, it's not always physical abuse, sexual abuse. There are other things that are categorized as abuse that people don't think about until later on in life when it starts affecting them. Um, and we grow into a, these adults and we all have similar characteristics when it comes to dealing with these issues. Um, and sometimes we go into certain career fields. You'll hear that... Um, people that work in mental health are the craziest. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that before. And to a sense, it's uh, not necessarily true, but there are some things that, that can be categorized as that. One of the uh, career fields in the book that it talks about is adults um, with these previous experiences tend to go into 
what's called the caregiver or healer phase in their life where they go into career fields that help people and if they haven't still dealt with their issues they sometimes start um, regretting their decision and they start resenting the people that they're helping because of the fact that they realize they're giving so much of themselves into this um, job essentially and they're not getting getting anything from it Um, so it's a book it's a very short book um, yeah, because uh, I can't even finish the ones that I started earlier with the kids, so it better be a short it's book. Got, it's got pictures in yes! it, so you'll be right. <laughs> Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to read those. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things um, is about depression and suicide is education. Educate yourself on, uh, on all of these things because it's going to help you clearly identify with uh, certain triggers with certain feelings, habits of behavior, and prevent um, these thoughts of suicide and ultimately any actions that come out of that. <clears throat> now, you know, let's talk about the the person that's not depressed, that's not suicidal, and has never been, but has a family member that that has or does, has a friend that has or does, and wants to help. There's nothing wrong with that. But understand that sometimes with those individuals, they may not be ready to accept help. But what they, what in most cases they are ready to accept is someone to listen. So I tell everyone, if you want to help someone, make sure that you listen uh, to understand and do not listen to respond. Listen to understand, to attempt to understand the situation that they're in sometimes you're not you're not going to be able to understand it um but don't listen to respond don't listen to um give them your feedback because you heard this guy on a podcast one time say these are some things that you can say to someone right try to understand their situation and understand where they're coming from and don't blame them don't say oh well this person has it worse than you or there's people over here that don't have this or that uh, because it's up to their own thought and their own experiences of how catastrophic that situation is. Um, and then touching back on something that you said earlier is you didn't have it as bad. But with doing that and people that are depressed, a lot of times that's why they don't talk. They don't speak out because they feel, I don't have it as bad as this person. I don't have it as bad as that person, or it could have been worse. The fact is, is that whatever the situation is, it still happened. Um, and in many situations, it obviously still is affecting someone's life. So using uh, excuses as to not deal with it um, can work for a certain amount of time, but eventually that balloon analogy is going to come to effect and all of these things are going to start going into there and something's going to happen that air has got to go somewhere um but being that friend listening to understand the situation and if you feel that someone is at their wits end and they're uh contemplating that um suicide attempt one thing that you can do is just confront them head on don't be aggressive but you can say you know individuals 
that have been in, in your situation before, that have been in your shoes and understand your situation, have thought about suicide and have thought about death. Are you having those thoughts? Do you feel like that is a plan for you? And if they give you their honest response, there are some things you can do to help them. One, you can always call 911 and uh, get a dispatcher to bring EMS and bring someone that can uh, take them to the hospital to be evaluated. And then uh, they'll determine if that person needs to go to a um, psych facility or not. Um, Or if there's certain protective factors, if they've got a good family support, if they got friend support, um, if they are religious and they believe in their religion and they're very close to that, these are some things that can help prevent someone from having um, suicidal ideations and and suicide attempts. Um, but there's again there there's a bunch of things that you can do as that friend. But ultimately, just being there for them and don't take things personally, right? Because that balloon effect, they may uh, explode. They may give you a hundred different things. And sometimes they may tell you things that aren't necessarily true, but they are so down in their self-worth that they don't believe that they deserve your help. They don't believe that they deserve to have a friend that actually wants to help them. So they'll say things and do things to push you away and all that does is it further validates themselves it further further validates this is why i am the way i am or this is why things are the way they are is because i do x y and z um and they do these things uh at their lowest point because in many cases people don't people that are depressed or uh, are having thoughts of suicide they don't want to hurt anybody else. They just want to hurt themselves. So by pushing everyone away and by isolating themselves, they now have this interpretation of, it's all about me. There's no one else around me. So if I go through with this, I'm the only person that I'm hurting. I'm not hurting anybody else. Um, So when someone has uh, those thoughts and they do try to push you away, Allow them some space, but don't take it personal because at the end of the day, they do still need you deep down, deep down inside. They do still want you a part of their life, Um, but they're just trying to create that excuse of pushing you away so they won't hurt you in the end. That makes sense. That makes sense, buddy. I've, I've learned more about myself in the last hour and 20 minutes. You've hit some points that got me thinking. You've you remind me about like don't bring work home and you know it's. I think a lot of the stress lately has been has been has been some work and then obviously family members. But I mean, my outlet is this, and I've used this to to let stuff out, and I, I do feel better after talking, even if it's like the last episode was just me in front of this microphone staring at the phone thinking that I'm talking to somebody because look at how we're doing it. So it's just pretending mm-hmm. I'm talking to somebody. But when I first started doing this by myself, I couldn't get two words out, man. Uh, and now it's like practice and practice and practice. It's like I can pull off a 45-minute conversation by myself, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
buddy, I mean, you're like a you're like a little brother to me, man. I freaking yeah, you are a little brother. Fuck it, you are. If, you know, watch you grow into the man, the respectful man that you are now. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on here and you know doing this. And I know there's a lot of people that listen to my podcast that have have been depressed in the past and uh, probably still are. And maybe they'll they'll learn from this. And uh, you know, I I don't I don't know what to say, man. You know, just thank you, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, no problem. And I I know I'm gonna say it for millions of people. Thank you for your service, man. And and anyone that listens to the podcast who happens to be in the military, ex-military veteran, I know I have a few. I know Paul's one of them, buddy. You know I love you. Thank you for your service. Um. 9-11, hashtag 20 years, hashtag never forget. And uh, Chris, like I end every podcast, buddy, thank you for writing with me. Uh, thank you for having me on this show. And um, for active duty veterans, people that have served uh, in the military before, we're all brothers and sisters, and it's all about helping each other. So if there are any active duty veterans uh, – that just want to reach out to someone uh please feel free to reach out to andy and he'll give you my personal phone number people just usually end it with thank you for having me but (laughs) (laughs) all right buddy thank you for being here man all right thank you for listening to ride with me the flat tire indie podcast you can also listen to us on itunes spotify and podbean